Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 11 again. I'm not afraid of repetition. Um, the subject of prayer is our subject. We're calling it effective prayer. And I think that's important because there are many people who pray. But I am convinced that it's a small minority that have effective prayers. And we want to be in that minority. Amen. We want to be in that group who pray effectively. And you could teach about this for months. And maybe we will. I don't know. But uh, I'm just going to go as far as the Lord wants us to go. There's so much to say. I don't know all there is to know about it. But, but even no more than I know, I know that it can turn into a, a great number of, of weeks of teaching. And it's so, so powerful and so important that we learn about communication with God. But in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say. And then he gave to them some instructions. He immediately answered this prayer, which means, of course, that prayer is something that God is willing to teach us. Prayer is something that can be learned, but it is something that must be taught. We don't get born again and automatically know all there is to know about prayer just on day one. It is a subject that we have to learn. We've already established, last week we talked about three major ways we learn to pray. Number one is through the word, the written word, following the instructions that are given to us in our Bible. Number two is through the Holy Spirit within us, leading us in prayer. And we learn that kind of, of prayer life through doing prayer, by actually actually praying. It's a lot like riding a bicycle or driving a car. There are some things that you can learn through precepts, through, through the, reading the manual, but then there are other things that you just need to do it in order to get good at it. And then number three, we said that we learn to pray through examples, people who are prayers, people who pray. If you can connect with people who pray, who get results, who have had some good experiences in prayer, then you want to to uh, connect with those people, pray with those people as much as they'll open up to you, just uh, kind of pry open that door and say, I'm, I'm here to learn, I want to, I want to learn to pray, and I want to learn to pray effectively. And uh, so those are three major ways that we learn to pray that are very, very important to us. And, of course, Jesus himself willing to teach us, so we want to learn. Let's go now to the book of John, chapter 15. I'm trying to hurry through some review but uh, all this connects. If you didn't hear the other messages, they're on the website. You can get those, or they're on the uh, app. You can get those free. And I uh, encourage you to listen and get caught up to where we are. John chapter 15 and verse number 7. Jesus says, If ye abide in me, if you live in me, if you take up your dwelling in me, so we would equate that with being born again, becoming in Christ, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So just like we came into Christ through the new birth and we live in him, so it is that his word can and should live in us. We should be very comfortable with scripture. We should be very comfortable with submitting to scripture, what it says. We should know as a mature Christian, at least, that God always has our best interest in his heart. He never asks us to do anything or requires anything of us or forbids anything from us that would uh, cheat us out of anything good or hurt us or harm us. Everything is for our good. 
just like you as parents had rules in your house and you didn't let your children play with your electric cook stove or your gas cook stove. You didn't let them go and play around with the uh, gas logs if you had a fireplace. You didn't let them drive your car up and down the street when they were four. Uh, just, there were some rules. And those rules weren't because you were mean. They were because you loved them. You wanted to protect them. You felt the responsibility necessary to help them to find a place of maturity and then learn to, to, to go in each step as they needed to go. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. All the things that God's word gives us as commands, all the things that he gives us as instructions, even the things that the word tells us the thou shalt not, the things we're not supposed to do, those are all for our good. And uh, God doesn't ever want anything but your good. Amen. And I have learned that if we will be doers of the word, not just hearers, but actually doing the word, even the thou shalt nots, and uh, doing the things that maybe we don't always want to do or feel like doing, that in the end, we will always be glad that we obeyed God. We'll be able to look back and see the hand of God in our lives, and the blessings will just continue to grow and increase. So Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall... Or you shall ask what ye will or you will, and it shall be done unto you. And we said that ye or you is in that verse 7 five times. Five times. And um, me, referring to Jesus, is in there once. So that's a pretty, pretty lopsided um, proportion, isn't it? Five to one. And so what that is really saying to us is that you and I at this point have more to do with our prayers getting answered than God does now. Because he's done everything he needs to do. His side's well prepared for, well taken care of. There is no lack, there's no shortage, there's no break in uh, uh, the lines, you know, no problems. The internet's not down, going to heaven, all that stuff. There's always a clear and open pathway to God. So if we are not getting answers, if our prayers aren't being answered, if, we're, if our prayer life isn't working, if it's not producing what he referred to here as fruit, answered prayer is prayer fruit. If, that, if we're not having that, then it's on our side. It's on our side. And I know that that in itself is a message a lot of people just don't want to hear. They don't like the idea that, that I'm responsible for anything. You know, we live in a whole world like that now. Nobody wants responsibility. Somebody's supposed to fix everything for everybody else, and somebody's supposed to pay all the bills, and somebody's supposed to make it all right, and nobody's ever supposed to do anything that's hard or tough or anything. And, uh, you know, you just wonder sometimes what planet some people have uh, uh, come from. But when you come back to the Word, and that's why this verse says, if my words abide in you, when you come back to the Word, you are reminded of reality. Folks, this is reality. Not some political system, not some utopian idea that has no basis in fact. The Word of God is reality. And so it's really important that we familiarize ourselves with the Word, that we know what belongs to us. You know, that's why we keep encouraging all of you and everybody that will listen to us. We continually encourage people. Go to the New Testament. Find those scriptures that, that tell you who you are. Some of those great ones would be scriptures that have the words in Christ or in him or through him or by him. 
And there are about 130 in the New Testament. And they will reveal so much to you about what God has already done for you, about who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what you can believe him for, and what you can now do by right of being in Christ. It's so important. And so prayer gets tied into all of this because we take the word and we return it to God in prayer and it comes back in the form of answered prayer. It comes back in the form of blessings. And so that's why we say that prayer is a transaction. It's a transaction. You know, uh, for a number of weeks, we've been waiting to get some wallpaper hung in our house. Now, I know that sounds very old-fashioned, but today the guy came. A two-armed paper hanger came today. And in five hours, he had a job done that would have taken Glenna and me I don't know how many hours. And man, does it look good. It looks just wonderful, praise the Lord. But anyway, um, you know, it's amazing how that when people know what they're doing, they get results. When they know what they're doing, how, how smoothly things seem to work. You always know when you found somebody that really is good at what they do is when they make it look easy. When they make it look easy. Amen. And so, uh, you know, when he got done, when he got finished, I said, now, you know, what do you want? Do you want a check? Do you want a debit card? It doesn't make any difference to me. And he determined he wanted a check. So I wrote a check and I gave it to him. What was that? That was a transaction. He performed a service that we were well pleased with and we paid what he required. Well, prayer is a transaction in the spiritual dimension. And it's not that we're paying or earning the blessings of God. It's just simply that we are exchanging our faith, our confidence, our hope, and our desires based on the Word of God to God in the form of our faith and confidence in Him to do what He said. And you know what? This is such a really good deal, by the way. He's just glad to do it. You know, really, God's, the big thing God's looking for in the earth is just somebody to believe him. The greatest compliment you can ever give to God is to trust him. And the biggest insult you'll ever deliver to God is to not trust him. And the whole key to whether or not we are really truly trusting God is whether or not his words are abiding in us. But everything we need and all the knowledge we need even and all the good things we desire are available through the channel of prayer. Now tonight I want you to go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 9. And I'm going to begin to talk a little bit and I know that we won't probably be able to say much in our limited time, but I want us tonight to talk a little bit about prayer assignments. Now, there's a lot of other information about prayer that we probably will need to get to, and uh, so just stay with us. If tonight's not your particular uh, point of interest at the moment, then uh, learn anyway and uh, put it on the shelf if you need to. Don't forget it because these are some good things that we need to know about. When I say prayer assignments, what I mean by that is the leading of the Lord to pray about a certain issue, a certain thing, 
or perhaps a person or certain people that we are to pray for. The leading of the Holy Spirit would take us into certain places where we would not otherwise know about. And the Word of God will take us into places that all of us need to go. For instance, when Paul told Timothy that, first of all, prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That is a command to every one of us. We never get away from certain prayer assignments. You know what an assignment is. You had those in school, remember? And you, you had a job. You had certain things that you had to do. Many times with those assignments, there were um, specific instructions. You had to do it the way the, the, the teacher wanted it done. And usually those assignments had a time limit. And I, I think it's very interested that when, interesting that when we talk about prayer assignments, it's much the same way. Prayer assignments are always about serving God through prayer in such a way that it pleases Him. We don't do our own thing. It's kind of like getting hired to do a job. I don't know about you, but I was never hired to do a job that somebody just said, I'm paying you, do anything you want to do. No, there was always a job description. There were always expectations. There, you know, uh, uh, th those years that I worked in what we call the secular world, there were hours that I had to be there. I had to be there at a certain time. I had to work until a certain time. There were, uh, there were instructions. There were things that I needed to do. I remember one time uh, because of the job I had, and it was kind of physically taxing at the time because I dealt with, uh, with blocks, with solid limestone blocks, and they were about 80 pounds apiece. And we would lay those underground in a coal mine to, to uh, build permanent walls to help ventilate the place. Because if you don't uh, pull air in and pull it through and pull it back out, there's no oxygen and people can't live. So you have to have air. And so that was, a, that was my job. And I remember uh, I had this guy, this, I still remember him. I can see him in my, my mind's eye. He came and he was started giving, telling me all these things that, that I needed to do and I began to respond back to him how that you know uh, you know there was a whole lot of a big long list and I, I responded back to him I said well you know Rome wasn't built in a day and so he just man he had a quick answer he said yeah but I wasn't the boss on that job <laughs> so uh, there's always an answer isn't there but anyhow uh, there's all you know when you when you have a job then that there's an assignment and in that assignment there are instructions and God is the boss when it comes to prayer and you know he does think he's God he really thinks he's God and he really knows you're not and I'm not and so this thing can never really get out of kilter we may try to but it's never going to work we don't choose our own assignment our assignments are given to us by the master. We have a job description. We are servants of the most high God. He is in charge. And it's his will that we are responsible to carry out. And prayer is one of the major avenues through which we carry out the will of God. There are many things that we can never do on our own. Many things that uh, we, we can't uh, get done by ourselves or in our own natural strength. There are places we cannot go. There are places we don't have access to in the natural. 
But in the realm of prayer, in the realm of the supernatural, we can go anywhere. I mentioned in prayer school last week, not yesterday, but the week before, that even in this uh, election season, for instance, we, we only have one vote. Unless maybe you're dead and you live in certain counties in West Virginia. But No, I'm kidding. Uh, they tell me my grandfather voted years after he died. I have it on reliable sources. But anyhow, uh, but generally, legally, you have only one vote. But you don't, get, you don't only have one time to pray. And I encourage you to vote Tuesday. You should vote. It's your civic duty, and I think it's your spiritual duty, since we have the right to vote, to do so. But let me tell you, as important as that is, your prayers are even more important. Your prayers are even more important. And so it's, it's very, very uh, important to us that we learn how to pray and follow these assignments that God would give to us. Now, I had you go to Daniel 9 because it's in this passage that we see an example of what I'm talking about. And in uh, chapter 9, verse 1, we'll start reading. And I'm going to read several verses. <coughs> it's good for us to hear the word, good for us to get the context of what we're talking about. Before I do read, I want to say you know, don't you, that Daniel was a captive in Babylon. He was part of the, uh, 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 of the nobility that had been carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. And these people were carried away because of the sins of Israel. They were carried away because Israel had uh, disobeyed God. The judgment had come upon them, and so therefore they lost their standing. They lost their nation for this time. And uh, Daniel was one of the ones, he along with uh, three friends we are familiar with, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were there serving, and they excelled. Even in a place of captivity, in a foreign land, they excelled because of their holiness, their commitment to God, their refusal to compromise the law of God and their reliance upon God opened up a way for supernatural ministry to come through them. And so by the time you get to chapter 9, Daniel has been operating as a favored, highly favored man of God for a while. And though he's in a foreign land, he serves in a foreign government. Uh, uh, he'd served under uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And now there is this man called Darius the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, verse 1, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now let's stop for a minute and just think about what we just read. What we're reading is that Daniel was reading the Bible. He was reading Jeremiah's prophecies. And in reading his Bible, he realized that the word of God that had come to Jeremiah the prophet was that Israel would be in captivity 70 years. Well, he could count. And they had calendars. And so in realizing that it's time it's the season I don't know the exact date 
or the exact day, but we're right up into the edge when the 70 years is up. It's time to, for something to happen. Hallelujah. Can you sense that it's time for something to happen? I mean, I'm not just trying to be, uh, you know, uh, trying to just stir you up or something. But I'm, I am trying to stir you up, but in a good way, in a true way. We're living in one of the most exciting periods of time in human history. Of all the centuries, of all the millenniums that have, have existed in time, God chose you and me to live now, in 2022. We've not passed on to glory. We haven't finished our work. We're still here. Evidently, God has a lot of confidence in you. We're living in one of the craziest times in, in modern history, maybe in all the world. The most asinine, the most foolish, the most ungodly, rebellious, unclean, demonic things that are being spoken and acted out and, and played out in the culture that we're in today that would shock your grandmother, that you, even those of you who've lived long enough, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you never dreamed you would ever see the culture of the United States as it is today. But yet God knew we would be here. He knew that we would be alive. And he knew that he would put tools into our hands to do the job we're called to do. He knew that we needed a great revival of teaching and ministry that would accompany the great charismatic outpouring and Pentecostal outpouring. He knew that the gifts of the Spirit and the ministry gifts of the Spirit and the rise of the church as a force in the earth and the communication tools that would be made it uh, possible for our disposal to use. He knew all of that would come together in this season and yet he called you and me. Don't ever let the devil tell you that you can't do it. Don't ever let the devil tell you that you're useless, worthless, or just a, you know, uh, just like a, a, an unused uh, part of the body. No, you have a place. You have a part. You have an anointing, and the, one of the most powerful things you are anointed to do is to pray. It's a privilege if one were an apostle of God, sent one, that would go through various parts of the earth or go to specific places of the earth and establish works for God. That's wonderful. It would be wonderful to be a prophet of God. To be used in revelation gifts, to be a seer, S-E-E-R in the Old Testament terminology. One who sees into the realm of the Spirit. That's a wonderful thing. It would be wonderful to be a teacher of the Word of God. To be able to explain and expound truths that would cause people to be able to see things that would bless them and help them in their lives. It's wonderful to be a shepherd of the sheep of God. To be a pastor. It's wonderful to be an evangelist and to have those evangelistic spiritual gifts that accompany the working of miracles, gifts of healings, those kinds of things. All of that is wonderful. But I want to tell you the greatest ministry of all is a ministry that actually every child of God possesses. Every child of God has access to, and that is the ministry of the king and the ministry of the priest. The Bible says he has made us. He has made us. It doesn't say he has made some. It says some are apostles, some are prophets, but it says he has made us to be kings and priests. What does a king do? A king speaks with authority, and that's what the body of Christ is called to do in the earth today. We're not called to go along to get along. We're not called to compromise and try to, try to uh, you know, blindside people and then maybe talk them into the gospel. We're called to confront. We're called to declare. We're called to 
proclaim. We're called to speak for God in the earth. We are people of authority, men and women, boys and girls, who have the use of the name of Jesus and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We are full of the Holy Ghost, and we back down for nothing and nobody. We are called of God. We are royal. We are the children of Almighty God. The King is our Father. We are princes and princesses of the Most High God, and we don't have to let the devil run over us. Hallelujah. And then we are priests. Priests talk to God for the people. Kings, that ministry, we talk to the people on behalf of God. We take the gospel to every creature. We fulfill the great commission, but as priests, we pray. As priests, we go before the Father. As priests, we go before God, and we plead our case, and we make prayers, and supplications, and intercessions, and giving of thanks, and we yield to the Holy Spirit, and we use the Word of God in prayer, and we do what Isaiah 55 says, we return God God's word unto him, and in that passage he says his word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which he pleases and prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. I'll tell you, it's good to be alive today. I'm not intimidated by all the mess. I'm disappointed in this, that, and the other, just like you may be. It is sometimes shocking, and it's certainly troubling, but I am not in the least bit worried that God has lost control of being God. I'm not concerned at all that his plan is being thwarted and not going to be carried out because, as I said earlier, God is God. He thinks he's God. He knows he's God. And he is God. And he will manifest himself. But the great privilege is he manifests through his people, through you and through me. In your prayer closet, in your basement, in your garage, out in the woods, behind the house, in a, in a church building with maybe nobody else around, you're praying, you're seeking God, you're speaking in other tongues, you're yielding to the Holy Ghost, and you're binding and you're loosing and you're praying the Scripture, and God's Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive and accept an assignment from Him and begin to pray and pray till it's through, pray until you're done, pray until it's finished. That's one of the greatest privileges of all there are to do in all the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! Your prayers can go where no preacher can go. Your prayers can go where you would never gain access. You don't have the credentials. You don't have the card. You don't have the, 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 you know, the biometrics to be able to put your eyeball up to something or your handprint up to something, and they be able to, to let you in. You might not be able to get into the halls of power. You may not be able to get into the inner sanctum of those who are making decisions, but your prayers can go there. You can go there as you pray, and you can bind, and you can loose, and I'll tell you when God's people pray things happen things happen God is merciful God is gracious God is a wonderful God and it is not his will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but I can tell you that when enough of God's people pray when enough of God's people are heard God can turn things in government God can turn things on the local level on the state level on the federal level in the military world in the civilian world God can raise some up as it is his will and God can also put some down as it is his will it's not my determination who that is but it is my determination to pray to pray hallelujah excuse me for getting excited but I tell you this is very exciting stuff while people are cowering in fear and while others are spending all their time griping and complaining I tell you we need to be praying 
unapologetically, unfearfully, but with great boldness we should proclaim and declare the word of God. Hallelujah. You see, that's what Daniel did. He found out what time it was. And verse 3, I set my face unto the Lord God. Notice he didn't say he desired an audience with Darius. Notice he didn't say, I went around and I got a petition of all the Hebrews to point out that we've been mistreated for seven decades and it's time for this foolishness to stop. Well, it was time for it to stop. But it wasn't political means that got it stopped. This man of God set his face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications. Sounds a whole lot like 1 Timothy, doesn't it? Chapter 2. By prayer and supplications, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. In other words, he got serious. Now, here's something that, that uh, is controversial, but we really need to understand this. If God did what all he wants to do, no matter what we do, then why is this even in the Bible? Why would it be necessary for Daniel or, in fact, for any of us to pray about any of these issues if it's just going to happen anyway? And I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be divisive. But I am trying to be honest as your pastor. There's a segment of the body of Christ. That, that's what they believe. They just believe, well, if, it, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If God wants it, it'll just have to be that way. Well, then what about all those babies that were aborted today and yesterday and last week? And what about all the, all the rapes that occurred in the last 48 hours? And all the people who were murdered, was that God's will? Was that what God wants? You see, you have to clarify your theology. And you don't have to be a theologian to get some clarity on your theology. You just need to believe the right thing about God. Why do these things happen then? Well, I don't pretend that I have all the answers, and I don't pretend to know it all. But I do know this. One of the major reasons that disasters come to Christians and to their families and to those they associate with, and yea, even to uh, segments of the population that is predominantly Christian and moral people, many times it's a lack of prayer. There are things that must be prayed away and other things that must be prayed in. Amen? Amen. Daniel understood this. And, and may I say this? If he understood it in the Old Testament sense of the word, that's where he was living. That's what he knew. And he was a prophet, so he didn't know something about the supernatural move of the Spirit. But yet he was not a new covenant believer as you and I are. And if he knew this truth all those centuries ago, then how much more should we be practicing this today? Plus, we have tools that are just marvelous in their scope. We have the, we have the fullness of the Spirit. We have the ability to pray in other tongues. Daniel didn't have that. He was a powerful man of prayer. How much more powerful ought we to be? He didn't have any of the New Testament scriptures. 
to return back to God. So he was, he was limited compared to us, but yet got results. And it just goes to reinforce the fact even more that if our prayers are not working, if our prayers are not being answered, if we are not effective in prayer, it has to be our fault. Because every tool we need to be effective in prayer has already been given to us. And we, like Daniel, have scriptures to go to and see the will of God, even on a large scale. For instance, when you go to Joel chapter 2 and you read his prophecies, and then you go to Acts chapter 2 and you read Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, you'll see that Peter connected Joel's prophecy of an outpouring of the Spirit to the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. And um, that being said, he tied Joel's words in the last days, saith God. He, put, he tied that together. So he said that on the day of Pentecost, they were in the last days. How much more 2,000 years later are we in the last days? So we can know what time it is by looking in the Word. Can you see that's another... These kind of scriptures just reinforce the fact, if my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. So Daniel set his face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, and I want to read this. You know, I thought in trying to present what the Lord had in my heart, I, I thought, well, Maybe for the sake of time we won't read all this, but I really sense that I need to read this before we go tonight because this is so applicable for the day we are in. So applicable concerning the nation we're living in and situations that are around us. I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned. And have committed iniquity. Now I want to point something out. Daniel was a holy and good man. But in the, in the place or the position of an intercessor. He was speaking on behalf of the people. Intercession has to do with taking the place of another. Before God. The other person or people that either don't know how to pray. They don't know what they need. Or they may know, but they don't care. In either case, an intercessor takes the place of another before God to make intercession and to plead the case. And so though Daniel was not guilty of the iniquities of all the people, he as a Jewish man pleaded with God on behalf of his nation and the people. And he said, I prayed unto my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. <clears throat> o Lord, Righteous belong, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces. Just think about the world we're in today. 
the, 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 the political turmoil, the cultural upheaval of today, but unto us confusion of faces. I mean, you can't get much more confused than the world we're living in today. As, it, as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and, to, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured out upon us. Now, Daniel wasn't cursed personally. He was highly favored and blessed personally, even in the midst of, of, of the world where he was. But as a nation, his people were in a, were in a place of cursing. And that's much the way the church is functioning in America today. You see, you can't murder millions, millions of unborn children and nothing happen. You cannot transgress the laws of God concerning the sanctity of family and marriage and human sexuality with no consequences. There's no culture in human history, for instance, that has ever embraced a homosexual uh, lifestyle as normal that ever survived. Now, I know history probably isn't being taught much today, but if you can find some old books that tell the truth, you can find what I'm saying to you. So we're much like the same position that Daniel was in. And, of course, he was praying to repent. And I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, and I believe that I, I, I should say this by, in this message, that, that perhaps we need to do more repenting on behalf of our nation and more repenting on behalf of the people of our country as we also are praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible will teach you and show you that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on unholy people can be deadly. If you've ever read Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you read about the, the false prophet, a man by the name of Bar-Jesus, who was trying to give Paul problems. You can just read and see that people that aren't right with God don't fare well when, when the presence of God gets really strong close to them. So there has to be repentance. There's got to be a cleansing. And it, it's troubling in, in my heart as a, as a minister of the gospel. It's very troubling that, that now in today's world, ministers, even ministers that, that would claim to be full gospel ministers, are teaching people that it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. That you're going to be blessed anyway? That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. 
And it's not that, we're, that, that I'm trying to be you know, holier than thou and you know, I've got all the answers. I know I don't. But I know that without holiness we will not see God. And I believe that's true in the sense that we won't be with him in eternity. And I believe it's true also we won't see his presence in our life in any good way. So, the curse is poured out upon us, he said in verse 11. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us a great evil for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer unto the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away. That's our role, to pray this way. You see, I think sometimes we can get confused in thinking how far our prayers really will reach. There are certain things we can pray effectively. There are other things that we cannot do other people's praying for them. In other words, we can pray a prayer of repentance, but it's going to take some repentance. Amen? So I'm not preaching to you tonight that you're under a curse I'm not preaching because I know we're redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm saying that like Daniel stood a blessed man in the midst of a wicked generation, so the church today is a blessed church standing in the midst of a wicked generation. And we need to preach repentance, and we need in our prayer life to make intercession. I know it's hard to believe, especially for those that are over 35 or 40 years of age, that there are people who have absolutely no knowledge of right and wrong where human sexuality is concerned. But there are people who absolutely have no idea of what's right or wrong. And, and it's easy to just pass off stuff and think, well, you know, everybody knows better than that. No, everybody doesn't know better. Sin carries with it its own deception. All people that are bound by sin are deceived in one level or another. And it takes the truth of the light of the gospel to open people's eyes. People are not going to quit their living and serving after the flesh and following after evil spirits and all the addictions and all the hang-ups that brings. They're not going to stop that until their eyes are opened. And the eyes of people will not be opened until they hear the truth. The gospel has to be preached. The word has to be preached. And it's not all just motivational talks. And it's not all just, praise the Lord, I'm happy. Sometimes you just have to deal with the truth. Thank you for your enthusiasm. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, verse 16, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God... Hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications. Can you say that tonight when you go before God? Hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications or her supplications 
and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Notice what he said, and I know I'm running over. Let me just take a couple more minutes and I'll be done. I'll get out of your way. Notice he said, Lord, let your face shine on your sanctuary. You see, the hope for America, the hope indeed for the whole world, is that God's face shine upon the church. This isn't a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It is not a United States of America issue or a European Union issue. This is a God issue. This is God raising up a people that know how to pray and know how to preach and know how to live so that they can go to the world. The only way we'll have an awakening that will change our culture is for the church to be so on fire that it cannot be ignored. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he says, now, therefore, verse 17, we'll read that again and read verse 18. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations in the city, which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. I love this verse. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. I want to read that again. O Lord, hear. And this is prayer. This is pure prayer. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. And for thy city and thy people are called for for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, we know Gabriel, one of the three archangels. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, and then you can read the rest. I've got to stop. You want to find out how to get a mighty and major intervention of God in your life? Pray. Pray. Do like Daniel. Get the books, find out what he said, and start returning that word to him. Don't be arrogant, don't be boastful, don't be proud. Understand that all we receive is because of his grace and mercy. But also know that because his nature is love, he delights in mercy. We don't have time tonight, we didn't get time, but we'll we'll get there. But there are scriptures at other points in history, in the Old Testament particularly, where the Bible tells us that God actually looked for somebody to pray this way. And when nobody was found, judgment came. So when God looks into our world in 2022 and 2023, I want him to be able to find us ready. I don't want the Lord to say, I'm looking for somebody to pray. 
to avert and avoid judgment and to avoid, avoid and avert the, the curse. I want us to be there. Amen. Now, I know that's not the only thing we ever pray about. I know there are other things. Like I said, prayer is such a big subject. We, that's why it takes so long to cover some basic points about it. But this is something, especially one week before an election, we need, this, we need to be practicers of this. We need to do the word here. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I've held you way, way too long. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I honor you. Lord, I know that the information that's been shared tonight is, is pretty heavy-duty stuff. And it's very serious. But Lord, each of us have a place in the great intercessor's army of the Lord. We all have responsibilities. And Lord, we say, as the disciple in Luke 11 said, teach us to pray. Help us, Lord, to get the job done. I know that you would never ask us to do things that we can't do. And you would never ask us to do things that are of no value. So, Lord, we know this is something that works. And we give you praise and honor and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.